Chapter 7 of Buffalo Bill From Prairie to Palace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Waldrop of Waynesville, North Carolina. Buffalo Bill From Prairie to Palace by John M. Burke. Chapter 7 a most famous ride. In the early spring of 1868, at the outbreak of the violent Indian War, General Sheridan, from his headquarters at Hayes City, dispatched Cody as guide and scout to Captain Parker at Fort Larned. Several bands of Comanches and Kiowas were in the vicinity, and Buffalo Bill, after guiding General Hazen and an escort of 20 men to Fort Sarah, 30 miles distant, started to return to Larned alone. At Pawnee Rock, about halfway, he found himself suddenly surrounded by about 40 warriors. By professions of friendship and warm greeting of how-how, Bill saw he could alone depend on cunning and strategy to escape. Being taken before Santanta, who Bill knew was expecting a short time before a large herd of cattle which had been promised by General Hazen, he boldly complained to the wily chief of his treatment and informed him that he had been ordered to find him and deliver a big heap lot hoo-haws. The cupidity of old Santanta enabled Bill to regain his arms. Although declining an escort, he was followed, much to his alarm, by a dozen well-mounted redskins. Keeping up a heap of thinking, Cody at last reached a depression that hid him from view and succeeded by putting the mule at his highest speed in getting fully a mile in advance before the trailers discovered his object. Upon seeing the fleeing scout, there were no further grounds for suspecting his motives. So the Indians, who were mounted on excellent ponies, dashed after him as though they were impelled by a promise of all the whiskey and bacon in the big father's commissary for his scalp. Bill was trying to save his hair, and the Indians were equally anxious to save it, so that the ride, prompted by these diametrically opposed motives, was as furious as Tam O'Shanter's. After running over about three miles of ground, Bill turned his head, only to be horrified by the sight of his pursuers gaining rapidly on him. He now sank the spurs a little deeper into his mule, let out another inch of the reins, and succeeded in increasing the speed of his animal, which appeared to be sailing under a second wind. It was thus the chase continued to Ash Grove, four miles from Fort Larned, at which point Bill was less than a half a mile ahead of the Indians, who were trying to make line shots with him and his mule as a target. Reaching Pawnee Fork, he dashed into that stream, and as he gained the opposite shore and was rounding a thick clump of trees, he was rejoiced to meet Denver Jim, a prominent scout in company with a private soldier, driving a wagon toward the post. A moment spent in explanation determined the three men upon an ambush. Accordingly, the wagon was hastily driven into the woods, 
and posting themselves at advantageous point, they awaited the appearance of the red-skinned pursuers. Look out, said Bill. Here they come, right over my trail. True enough, the twelve painted warriors rode swiftly around the clump of brush, and the next instant there was a discharge of shots from the ambush, which sent two Indians sprawling on the ground, where they kicked out their miserable existence. The others saw the danger of their position, and making a big circle, rode rapidly back toward their war party. When the three men reached Larned, Buffalo Bill and Denver Jim each displayed an Indian scalp as trophies of a successful ambush, and at the same time apprised Captain Parker of the hostile character of Santanta and his tribe. On the following day, about 800 warriors appeared before the fort and threatened to storm it. But being met with a determined front, they circled around the post several times, keeping the soldiers inside until their village could move off. Considerable fear was entertained at the fort owing to the great number of hostile Indians who practically invested it, and it was determined by Captain Parker as of the utmost importance to send dispatches to General Sheridan informing him of the situation. Fort Hayes was 65 miles distant from Fort Larned, and as the country was fairly swarming with the worst kind of bad Indians, Captain Parker tried in vain to find someone who would carry the dispatches until the request was made to Buffalo Bill. This expedition was not within Bill's line of duty and presented dangers that would have caused the boldest man to hesitate. But finding all the couriers absolutely refusing to perform the necessary service, he agreed to deliver the message, provided that he could select the horse that he wanted to ride. Of course, this requirement was readily assented to, and at 10 o'clock at night, during a terrible storm, the brave scout set out, knowing that he had to run a very gauntlet of hostiles, who would make many sacrifices if by so doing they could lift his coveted scalp. The profound darkness of the night afforded him some security from surprise, but his fears of riding into an Indian camp were realized when he reached Walnut Creek. A barking dog was the first intimation of his position, but this was speedily followed by several Indians pursuing him, being directed by the sounds of his horse's feet. By hard riding and good dodging, however, he eluded these, and meeting with no further mishap than being thrown over his horse's head by reason of the animal suddenly stepping into a gopher hole, he reached Fort Hayes shortly after daylight and delivered the dispatches he carried before General Sheridan had arisen from bed. After delivering the messages, Bill went over to Hayes City, where he was well acquainted, and after taking some refreshments, lay down and slept for two hours. Thinking then that General Sheridan might want to ask him some questions regarding the condition of the affairs at Larned, he returned to the fort and reported to him. He was somewhat astonished to find that General Sheridan was as anxious to send a messenger to Fort Dodge, 95 miles distant, as Captain Parker had been to communicate with his superior officer at Fort Hayes. 
and more surprised was he to find that of the numerous couriers and scouts at the fort, not one could be induced to carry the general's dispatch, though the sum of $500 was offered for the service. Seeing the quandary in which General Sheridan was placed, Bill addressed that official and said, Well, General, I'll go over to the hotel and take a little more rest, and if by four o'clock you have not secured someone to carry your dispatches, I will undertake to do it. The General replied, I don't like to ask so much of you, for I know you are tired, but the matter is of great importance, and someone must perform the trip. I'll give you a fresh horse and the best at the fort if you'll undertake it. All right, General, I'll be ready at four o'clock, replied Bill, and then he went over to the hotel. But meeting with many friends and the irrigating being good, he obtained only the rest that gay companionship affords. At the appointed time, Bill was ready, and receiving the dispatches at the hands of General Sheridan, he mounted his horse and rode away to Fort Dodge. After his departure, there was much debate among the scouts who bade him goodbye, respecting the probability of his getting through, for the Indians were thick along the whole route, and only a few days before had killed three couriers and several settlers. Bill continued his ride all night, meeting with no interruption, and by daylight next morning, he had reached Saw Log Crossing on Pawnee Fork, which was 75 miles from Fort Hayes. A company of colored cavalry under Major Cox was stationed here, and it being on the direct route to Fort Dodge, Bill carried a letter with him from General Sheridan, requesting Major Cox to furnish him with a fresh horse upon his arrival there. This the Major did. So after partaking of a good breakfast, Bill took his remount and continued on to Dodge, which point he gained at 10 o'clock in the morning, making the 95 miles in just 18 hours from the time of starting. The commanding officer at Fort Dodge, after receiving the dispatches, remarked, I'm very glad to see you, Cody, and I'll tell you that the trip just made is one of the most fortunate I know of. It is almost a miracle how you got through without having your body filled as full of holes as a pepper box. The Indians are swarming all around within 50 miles of here, and to leave camp voluntarily is almost equal to committing suicide. I have been wanting to send a message to Fort Larned for several days, but the trip is so dangerous that I can't find anyone who will risk it, and I wouldn't blame the bravest man for refusing. Well, Major, I think I might get through to Larned. In fact, I want to go back there. And if you will furnish me with a good horse, I'll try to carry your message. I don't think it would be policy for you to make the trip now, especially since you've done so much hard riding already. Besides, the best mount I could give you would be a government mule. All right, Major, I don't want the best. Second best is good enough for me. So trot out your mule. I'll take a little nap, and in the meantime, you have your hostler slick up the mule so that he can slide through with me like a greased thunderbolt should the reds jump on us. Bill then went off, 
and after liquidating in true Western style, lay down in the major's quarters where he slept soundly until nearly five o'clock in the evening, when, having replenished his canteen, he mounted the patient mule and set out for Fort Larned, which was 65 miles east of Fort Dodge. After proceeding as far as Coon Creek, which was nearly halfway, Bill dismounted for the purpose of getting a drink of water. While stooping down, the mule got frightened at something and jerked loose. Nor did the stupid animal stop, but followed the trail, keeping ahead of the weary and chagrined scout for 35 miles. Half a mile from the fort, Bill got within rifle range of his exasperating steed and gave him a furlough to the eternal grazing grounds. After reaching Larned, carrying the bridle and saddle himself, Buffalo Bill spent several hours in refreshing sleep, and when he awakened, he found General Hazen trying to induce some of the couriers to take his dispatches to General Sheridan at Fort Hayes. Having been warmly and very justly praised for the long and perilous rides he had just completed, Bill again proffered his service to perform the trip. At first, General Hazen refused to dispatch him on the mission, saying, This is like riding a free horse to death. You have already ridden enough to kill an ordinary man, and I don't think it would be treating you properly to permit you to make this additional journey. But when the evening came and no other volunteer could be engaged, as a matter of last resort, Bill was given a good horse and the dispatches entrusted to him for transmission. It was after nightfall when he started on this last trip, and by daylight the next morning he was in Fort Hayes, where he delivered the dispatches. General Sheridan was profoundly astonished to see Bill before him again in so short a time, and after being informed of his wonderful riding during the three days, the general pronounced it a feat that was never equaled, and even now General Sheridan maintains that no other man could accomplish the same distance under similar circumstances. To this day, the rides here described stand on record as the most remarkable ever made. They aggregated 355 miles in 58 riding hours, or an average of more than six miles an hour, including an enforced walk of 35 miles. When it is considered that all this distance was made in the nighttime and through a country of hostile Indians without a road to follow or a bridge to cross the streams, the feat appears too incredible for belief, were it not for the most indisputable evidence, easily attainable, which makes disbelief impossible. General Sheridan was so favorably impressed with the self-sacrificing spirit and marvelous endurance of Buffalo Bill, and being already acquainted with his reputation as a brave man, that he called the scout to his headquarters directly after receiving Major Hazen's dispatches and said, Cody, I have ordered the 5th Cavalry to proceed against the Dog Soldier Indians who are now terrorizing the Republican River District. And as the campaign will be a very important one, I want a first-class man to guide the expedition. 
I have therefore decided to appoint you guide and also chief of scouts of the command. End of chapter 7. Recording by Paul Waldrop, Waynesville, North Carolina.